This is Listen Here Now, Serious Library News Magazine, the podcast for the Pendleton Public Library. I'm Heather, and with us today is Steve Lawn from the Pendleton Unmanned Air Systems Test Range. All right, Steve, what's your job? I am the chief engineer up at the Pendleton UAS range, uh, and basically I help get our customers set up and get them anything that they need um, to be able to come to our range up at the airport and operate their aircraft. Um, Also, I do a lot with the local high school and colleges for internships and various technology opportunities, uh, and hopefully with um, help placing some of those kids into jobs with some of our customers. Now, I've been to the test range. I've been up to where you do your engineering, and I have seen the many, many, many things that you provide for people who come up to t- 3D printers, wood shop. What, o- what other things are up there? Well, we have a, we're, we're starting to build out a full rapid prototyping facility. So that is wood tools and some saws and screwdrivers and basically all the, the little tools that a company might need if they come out here want to test and then maybe they forgot something at home um, and so they can use those tools and get the job done uh, but we also do have like you said the 3d printers we have CAD capability um, which is where you would draw your 3d piece in a computer and then turn it into a real part so either 3d printing it or putting it on our CNC machines uh, which is basically a CNC machine is a robot with a cutting blade that follows a path and cuts out your part for you uh, automatically. So it's a way to machine out of metal, plastic, uh, that kind of thing, uh, very precisely. So we have two CNC machines up there. One is a five-axis mill, and the other is a three-axis lathe, uh, and then various manual machining tools without the computer control and that kind of stuff. So our hope really is that eventually a customer could come here if they forget something as little as a screwdriver we have that for them all the way up to if they need to manufacture a new part to try to test it. Instead of weeks of waiting around and a, a huge cost, they can actually get that part made right on site, get it tested, decide whether it works or not, reiterate on it if they need to, or certify it and go on to the next thing. When people come up to test stuff, do they also use you as a resource like Steve, I can't figure out what's wrong with this. They do. <laughs> what are your yeah. thoughts? So uh, we have a range manager and we have a, an operations specialist as well as uh, myself as the, the engineer up there. So with various uh, degrees of aerospace background, uh, if any kind of questions that they have or trouble that they run into, um, we can help out with everything from operating procedures all the way down to being another set of eyeballs or they can utilize some of our certificates. Uh, So I'm a commercial pilot. Uh, Daryl, the range manager, is a a private pilot. Uh, Both of us carry our medicals and all of that. So if a customer is short on that skill set, we can provide that for them. Uh, We've even done work as range safety officers where we have uh, the, we act as a third party with a kill button, essentially. So if the aircraft goes outside of parameters uh, in a manner that it needs to be brought down, we are the ones that bring it down. Uh, Where are you from? So I grew up military, so I'm not really from anywhere. Um, You're from everywhere. Yeah, every three years we moved somewhere else. Um, I stayed in Florida and uh, South Carolina the longest. So Florida was pretty much fifth grade through junior year in high school. Then uh, I spent a couple years up in Connecticut. 
um, graduated high school, did a little college up there, and then moved to South Carolina, spent about seven years there, and then went back to school in Tennessee and then bounced around uh, from there, uh, eventually landing here. So uh, I've been here uh, going on five years. Uh, it'll be five years this April, and uh, so we're just a couple more years. This will be one of the longest places I've ever lived. <laughs> it's in many ways, it's very easy to live here because you can get away real quick. Yes, no, we love it here. So we we were looking for the rural um, kind of middle of nowhere small town, um, and it seemed like even when I, I was working in agriculture, uh, we ended up in bigger cities, and so to to end up here. Uh, just it was really what we were looking for. We we love it out here. What what were you doing in agriculture? I would fly either UAVs or Cessnas over crops back and forth in like a lawnmower pattern and uh, take pictures of the crops, put them together into a big picture, and then run uh, an analysis on it. So with different light spectrums that the plants were either absorbing or reflecting, and trying to get an idea of what the, that crop was doing. <laughs> That looks like an alkali patch. I think you have <laughs> root rot, those kinds of things. Yeah, or, you know, trying to identify a disease or mm -hmm. whether they're stressed or, you know, all kinds of, there's, it's getting better. Um, you know, early on it was, there was not a lot of information uh, to be gathered that way. But as time goes on and as people took those, that imagery out into the field and identified, oh, this is, you know, a, a beetle or this is lack of water or that kind of thing. Uh, they're starting to put those together into something that's much more meaningful. Well, a lot less need to pay a whole bug crew of little kids to go out and catch bugs, I would I would think. For sure, hopefully Just... eventually, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so that answers like two of the questions I have next. Mm -hmm. How do you use the library? Uh, well, we get a lot of uh, books that we normally wouldn't just go out and buy. Uh, so my wife especially uh, tracks down Spanish books and uses the interlibrary loan um, to, to try all different kinds of books for the kids. Um, and I mean, I guess that's really kind of the primary function of the library. So sure. we use mm -hmm. it exactly how we're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a quiz. I just, you know, everybody does different things here. Like, you know, there's lots of people who don't come in here at all. And all they know about the library is I work there and I'm sitting across from them. So, yeah, you know, it's everything is valid. Gotcha. <laughs> then you have a good bathroom. We do. <laughs> I especially like it right now because it's just staff yeah. in there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, dee -dee -dee -dee. what's farthest you've ever been from, we'll, we'll say home. But. Yeah. Um, so I've traveled Europe and Asia. Um, growing up, I lived in Okinawa uh, for a few years. Uh, my dad was stationed at Kadena Air Base there. Um, so we lived there for about three years. And then uh, for work, um, much later, uh, I actually went to India for a couple weeks <laughs> and spent some time working there. Uh-huh. If... Uh... If you could, uh, would you go back and work, you know, at a long time, like over several years in India? India? I don't know. Um, that would, it would, for India, it would really kind of depend on where I was and what I was doing. Um, you know, it's, it was nice going there. It was an amazing country. Um, but I didn't really get a feel for what it would be like living there as an American full time. So I don't know. 
just it's so many regions and peoples crammed together and expected to be like you know one country right it's <laughs> how can that be oh i'm from this cold desert up here by these mountains i'm from this hot island and yet <laughs> yeah we're still indians <sighs> yeah i would definitely for okinawa you know i wish i was a little older for that um i definitely didn't appreciate a lot of the stuff my parents would drag us around to you know it was a lot of get in the car and go see some boring stuff and yeah. then try some weird food and you know hope to get home in a, with enough time to watch cartoons but you know thinking about that now i'd love to go back and actually really see what that island was about and really try the food um you know i was seven eight years old while i was there and that's not the best time to introduce something completely new to a kid um and but, okinawa is just so different even from you know the rest of japan for sure it's, it's a yeah i don't i don't think kids can appreciate it at all yeah. <laughs> that's no, for grown-ups yeah it definitely it's it's definitely somewhere to go see when you're older mm-hmm. so. i suppose that it's good to compare like this is what i remember oh it's not what right. i remember at all uh, what's a reference question you've always wanted to ask i don't know i have so many um <laughs> That's a that was a tough one for me to, to come up with anything like that. What what kind of questions are you looking for? What do you get asked all the time? Uh, what I get asked a lot, the ones that I can't really answer most of the time is, I live in this old house in Pendleton. I mean, I don't. The person asking me the question says, I live in this old house in on North Hill or on South Hill. Uh, what can you tell me about it? And most of the time. You live there. That's, that's what I know about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a history of every old house. So most of the time I can tell them what street it was, it used to be. And then they can go and look in the county records and see who built it and when. But they have to do that part of it. I can't gotcha. really do it. So That's the hardest question that people have for me, which is, you know, it seems like I would be able to tell them that. I really, I can't. Can't tell you a thing about your house. Yeah. But I can tell you how to find out about your house. And that's, that's okay. That's cool. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I always remember going into the library on base as a kid. And they had those big machines with the, the film. And mm-hmm. people would go, they'd be researching, looking through old film like that. And uh, since the internet and being able to just jump on a search engine... You know, you never really think about going to the library and actually referencing what you're looking for. Yeah. That's very cool. The microfilm machines. Right. We still have a microfilm machine. Ours, thank goodness, is a new digital one so that things that we haven't been able to look at for, you know, 100 years, getting up on 100 years, we can read now. Because when they took the copy in the first place from the original bound newspaper, that, which is what we have most of. We have the entire run of the East Oregonian newspaper, like back to 1886, wow. I think is the first one that we have. Um, when the college that made the microfilms for us took the copies, they sometimes were not very careful about being sure that they got everything that was in the binding and the spine. So there's dark places and there's damaged places. You can't read them very well. And sometimes it's very old newspaper, so it's yellow and it gets darker. 
So uh, we've got it now to where we can correct what we're seeing on the screen with this digital programming and we can see what's printed in, in the binding. We can see what it actually says in this old smeared newsprint. We can see what that's a picture of that's and we cool. haven't always been able to. So that's, that's exciting for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that'd be really cool to be able to go back and read through those papers. I mostly get distracted by the gossip. Like, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Goodwin were <laughs> visiting their daughter in Portland this weekend. and uh, Well, this week, I guess, since it's old. Anyway, that stuff like that. There was a party at Miss yeah. Stabenow's house. That's cool. I love those. And I love the old ads, and I love the old comic strips. I read Out Our Way every time I get into <laughs> yeah. a pre-1950 newspaper. I go and find Out Our Way and read it right away. That's old cowboy comic book, comic okay. strip. It's usually just a single picture. And they're very smart-mouthed and funny. I love them so much. That's cool. Being able to go back that hundred years and put yourself in, you know, this is what I would read That's over my right. coffee. I want to pay seven cents a pound for beef steaks. Yeah. Where can I get that? <laughs> But for yourself, I'm guessing that when you go for a reference question, it's something you have to know right now. You you need to get right on it and find out so you don't have them, like, you know, in the back of your mind. Old things that you need to look up. Yeah. <laughs> you're, not, you're not assigned to do reports anymore, so you don't really have to. No. I mean, you know, once in a while, we I've been digging a lot into uh, airport history. Um and so it would be neat to go back to that World War II era and uh, kind of put that together. And every time we do a presentation, either from the range or the airport, we dig up, you know, the, the airport's got some amazing history up there. Um, and so to be able to actually put that into chronological order and figure out, you know, maybe what buildings were used for some of these really historical purposes, uh, it's, it's really neat. So uh, Somebody did a really competent Doolittle's Raiders um article it was more like a like a short reference piece about the Doolittle's Raiders that trained here uh, but there will be coming out I think in the next two years I think they've gotten to where they are ready to um, give their findings to their agent <laughs> to their publisher about the triple nickels when the triple nickels were here and training um, so Right. That's exciting, too. Yeah. The triple nickels, that's, that's what I've been researching a lot of recently. And uh, it's really neat to think, you know, they were on a secret mission out here uh, based in Pendleton. They had no idea what they were getting into. Um, they were the first all-black um, airborne unit, but they were the first military smoke jumpers. And when they got off the train here in Pendleton, um, people said, oh, you're the new smoke jumpers. And they all <laughs> said to themselves, what the heck is a smoke jumper? And... Uh, <laughs> You know, you can imagine being told, oh, not only are you jumping out of an airplane, but you're going to be jumping out of an airplane with a whole bunch of gear into a fire. Um, <laughs> and they did it. Uh, they they did it without any qualms. And, you know, they helped put out a lot of fires. They were on a very secret mission uh, to disable bombs floated here on balloons from Japan. And, uh, you know, it's it's incredible uh, to think that all happened. Um, <laughs> what do you wish people knew about your job? Um, I think the biggest thing that I wish people knew about the range in general is that we are not a big secretive organization up there. Um, we, 
invite people up, um, especially, you know, pre and post COVID times, um, all the time for tours and show them around. Uh, a lot of our stuff is open to, to be seen. And there's a lot that you can see just from the, the airport grounds and everything. Um, and, you know, we're not a, a non-inclusive group. You know, we want everybody in Pendleton and everybody in the region to feel like this is a part of their community. And it's something that's, you know, hopefully bringing in uh, higher paying jobs. It's better jobs that are going to keep their kids here instead of having them move to Silicon Valley and, um, uh, you know, some of the bigger cities and all that. Uh, you can do some really neat stuff right here in Pendleton. And as we grow, we want people to realize that and, and not feel like, oh, we're spending money up there and we don't get to see any of it. And, you know, it's all secret squirrel. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, that's that's kind of the biggest thing. Yeah, it's not like there's some kind of uh, industrial espionage that you're going to be accused of. If there's something that you're not supposed to see, you're not going to see it. Right. And it's nothing to do with the range at yeah. all. They really do want you to come up there and look at stuff and talk to them. And yeah, for sure. That's This is a great uh, piece of outreach, not just uh, educationally for kids, but for the city. You know, the city sometimes gets a reputation for being secretive itself and, you know, not telling people what they're doing with the money. The range is absolutely transparent. You can ask them anything. They will tell you anything. It's all out in the open. That is, uh, we do have <laughs> non-disclosure agreements with some of our customers. But um, that's the customers, but, right. and then not Correct. you guys. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. So. They're not keeping anything from you. There's no secret money out there. That's right. Uh, what's your favorite dream? I've always been a big fan of that one where I realize all of a sudden I can fly around uh, like Superman, you know, and uh, it's if I just try a little harder, I start flying and then off I go, you know, uh, that's for me, that's always been a big one. You know, I've never had that one, but I dream that I can run fast and it usually has to do with running on my hands and feet like an animal. Interesting. <laughs> I'm more in contact with the earth. You're more in contact with the air. <laughs> it seems like you'd run faster that way, you know. With... And can you roller skate? I can. Mm -hmm. um, so I spent most of my high school years uh, rollerblading. Uh, so I would do what they called at the time uh, aggressive skating. So just like you see the skateboarders jumping up on rails and hitting jumps and all that. Uh, I did all of that growing up on, on rollerblades. Mm -hmm. So I skateboarded a lot too. And then when I grew up, I only skateboarded. But, you know, it's... I can, and actually just yesterday, we, my wife and I took the boys ice skating. What about riding a horse? So I've ridden a horse a few times in my life, and I can do it. Um, you know, I didn't fall off or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I can, I can sit up there and hang on. <laughs> that is all that is necessary. Everything else <laughs> is up to the horse and practice. So, you know. What project are you working on now? Um. Well, a big one uh, right now is trying to figure out how to get the kids back for the robotics team. So the, the first robotics competition that we normally do from January into April, uh, the, the normal season has been canceled. So there's no in-person meets or anything like that. So uh, I'm working to try to figure out how to do a kind of a um, distance learning uh, group with them and... Uh, what about kits? Like we're doing for the crafts. What about just like little 
build your skill robotics kits. I don't know. Yeah, we what have, it would. There, there's a lot out there uh, like that that I recommend to everybody from you know middle school and even younger on up um, for the, the especially the off season uh, for robotics and that kind of thing. Um, what we'll be participating in this year instead of the normal competition is called the First Innovation Challenge, uh, where we're, we've identified a local um, problem uh, that robotics can help solve, um, and we're going to develop the system around putting that into use. And the kids will have to do a proposal and kind of talk about exactly you know what problem they're solving, how they're solving, how they propose to do it, and how they would go about making the whole thing work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do they do on the proposals? We've never had to do one like this yet. Oh. So normally uh, the, the season consists of finding out what a game is, and uh, we have different tasks that we have to uh, have the robot do, and then we build the robot to do either all or some of those tasks, and then uh, we go to competition. Competition is usually driving the robot via... Um, radio control essentially it's through wi-fi and getting the tasks done Hmm. um so there's every year we do have to do a budget and a a business plan and and that kind of thing but nothing nothing in the way of really a proposal like we're going to have to do this year do they have guidelines and and uh, examples i think a little bit they do um I have to go through and really kind of dig through all the material and see what they're expecting this year because it's it's completely different. And uh, I wasn't even sure if we were going to be able to do it until, you know, just a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So You already have kids lined up. I do, yeah. So, uh, you know, we I reached out uh, to as many kids as I could and uh, told them to tell their friends and all that. So we've got about eight people interested right now, and that, that could grow. That is solid. So. That is a solid turnout. Yeah. Yeah, for this year especially. So our normal team is about 15. We've had anywhere from 15 to 20 kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's easy when you can have in-person and, you know, you can right. walk into the classroom and tell them, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. This is a lot of fun. Um, but this year it's it's a little harder to reach the kids because none of them are in classrooms. So, right. you know, I think eight's pretty solid for sure. Anything. We're finding out that if you can get eight people interested in something that you're doing, you know, that's not getting together and visiting like usual you are just yeah. <laughs> you're doing that's great <laughs> that's good good to know uh, uh, what's the well this is kind of a sad question what's the best project you've done in the last 12 months since you've been in quarantine and <laughs> during the pandemic what's um, the best project well um so one of the, the cooler things I've seen and, and been a part of is uh, I do have a high school intern that's doing a project with school, and we got him a little robot and a virtual reality environment, and he created a program where he can move a box around in the virtual world, which takes up real space uh, in, in room-scale virtual reality. He moves a box, and the robot will turn and follow and go to that box in the real world. Um, so that's that's a really neat one. Uh-huh. Um, so. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good project. Uh, can you cook? I can, yeah. So uh, it's funny going back to uh, India when I was there for a couple of weeks. Of course, I came back and was completely uh, out of sorts with the time. So I was waking up at 3 a.m. and uh, 
you know, I'd always been able to cook a little bit, um, but never really tried much, you know, it was simple stuff like tacos and, and that kind of thing. But I found myself with a lot of extra time awake at 3am and not able to sleep. So I started cooking lunch for my wife and I, um, and I would just do, you know, all out uh, a full meal and pack it all into like a, a bento box kind of thing. And I started cooking and then started doing all the grocery shopping cause I was the one putting the meals together and, um, you know, from there, it just kind of took off. So I love to grill. I love to cook on the walk. Um, so any chance I get, you know, um, I'll throw seafood either on the grill or, you know, in a skillet. And mm -hmm. so, yeah. And what is for dinner? I don't know. Now you'll have to ask my wife. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, what's your favorite website? Um, you can put, you can use an app. And use apps yeah. if you don't have a website that's your favorite yeah i don't know if you know there's um there's a lot out there to be had i do like um humble bundle mm -hmm. um where they offer you know video game bundles and things like that but uh, a lot of technology and robotics and computer books and um, a lot of how-to kind of stuff uh, which is great so i've bought books there that taught me cad and um different game engines and, and virtual reality programming and a lot of you know, I was C Sharp, C++, and Arduino programming. So mm -hmm. um, I definitely frequent that, that site a lot. So. Um, what was the last movie you saw? Um, I recently decided to uh, restart the, the Alien trilogy uh, and go through those, the original three. And I just did, I watched the, the first one a couple nights ago. Mm -hmm. I've been looking to start that one again, too, but I don't. <laughs> by the time it's time for me to be by myself it's just sleep time <laughs> yeah. I can't watch scary things with either of my parents because oh, they're, no. they're sensitive creatures <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can't wait for the boys to be old enough to watch Alien it's it's one of my favorite mythos and you know the whole world mm -hmm. and I, I do call it a trilogy because I ignore Alien Resurrection as, well that's not yeah. necessary so. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did like the newer ones you know the um the ones that came out here recently, but was it Prometheus? Yeah, and then, um, um darn it, yeah, <laughs> of course. Now, now that I mean, but I also I really did like Alien Isolation, the video game. Um, oh, you know, it's there's I, I've always liked scary games and things like that, but um, it's been a while since a, a game made me crawl under a desk and hide. And uh, that game, you can actually crawl under desks and hide and cr hide in lockers in the game. Uh -huh. And uh, it's basically, you know, the, the whole game is hide under stuff simulator. You know, it's you, you basically put yourself in a locker and sit there and shiver until the alien goes by. So uh, it's a good one. It's really good. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's a fun game. Um, what's the last book you read? I just finished Ship of Fools by Tucker Carlson, mm -hmm. um, kind of a, a insight into the last uh, couple decades of, of politics and, you know, where a lot of people have come from and where their ideas have shifted and, and that kind of stuff. So it was a, a good read. So. That guy's a good read. Uh, is it one that you would recommend? I would, yeah. Um, you know, as long as you approach it with an open mind and, you know, you're... You, either read it or listen to it in audiobook and kind of, right. you know, take it in and gets you thinking. Um, I would for yeah. sure. Read it for what it is. Right. Right. Um, and your favorite all time book. That's a tough one. Um, you know, it's 
having a favorite book changes, you know, depending on my mood and, and what I'm into. So, you know, I've always kind of thought um, The Hobbit was one of my favorites. Uh, I go back and I reread it all, a lot. Um, and I, I love the imagery in it and I like the adventure and the, the shortness of it rather than, you know, the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy and all that. Um, but then uh, there's also the the boys have really gotten into Calvin and Hobbes recently. And I think <laughs> that's really important because it gets them reading actual books. Absolutely um, right. And, you know, it's it's fun. They laugh at it. Um, they think it's funny. And it it's not just kind of, oh, I have to spend five minutes reading. It's they go looking for it and they pick it up and they, they read it. So, and it's easy to read, but it is not. There's concepts in Calvin and Hobbes that are complex. Right. There are unfamiliar words still presented in a completely accessible way. I think it's, it's one of the most important things that people should read. Also, to kind of get yourself into a headspace for just being a, you know, Calvin's not a gentle person, <laughs> but the comic is a gentle comic. So yeah. it's like coming together of the, these two different kinds of parts of your mind you know we're all kind of wild animals we're all also you know thinking creatures so uh, it's a good good introduction to that dichotomy of brain uh what's the last transportation problem you had um i have a, a city issued truck that i drive around the airfield and um you know i do the, the walk around and make sure everything's working but Every so often, I forget to look at the gas gauge just because I don't think about it. And a couple weeks ago, I went to go drive out of the parking lot, and it sputtered on me. And I realized I hadn't put fuel in it in a couple months. And uh, so I had to go get another truck and go get a, a gas can and fill it up and <laughs> then uh, get on with my day. Just, <laughs> just the steps in getting gas into a car that has run out of gas sometimes just insurmountable like well i guess i have to get gas in something yeah. like, like what <laughs> how do i get it do i have to walk there can i <laughs> yeah yeah it's there's definitely a uh-oh what do i do now you know but uh, no luckily we have gas cans on the airfield uh the only thing we don't have is actual gasoline um you know it's it's all diesel up there so i had to take that down and fill it up but um you know from there once i got the truck to the gas station it, it was easy <laughs> <laughs> then it was solved. Yeah. Uh, and how were you inspired to get into the job you have? Well, um, I have always been into aviation and airplanes and anything that flies, really. And uh, always kind of a, a technology geek. I love gadgets. And, you know, I, I loved the, the whole Inspector Gadget cartoon and uh, the idea of just having, you know, neat things that did cool stuff. And uh, so... Putting those two things together, uh, I got into radio-controlled airplanes and really liked it. Uh, worked at a, a hobby store and, you know, kind of became known as, as the guy that knew what to recommend to, to new and advancing RC pilots. And I liked that community and then um, was offered a job as a test pilot at a UAV company. And uh, I, had, I knew UAVs were out there and I knew about drones and that kind of thing, but I had just no real idea of the magnitude of the UAS industry. And um, so I, I went on um, 
and was a test pilot. I learned how to build the electronics and, and put the flight controllers onto the aircraft and then go fly them and then how to use them in the field and that kind of thing. And it just, it really sucked me in. It was kind of everything I loved to do all in one package. And um, so I went back to school, finished a degree in aerospace, and then off I went. So. And that's what you can do with a degree in the sciences. In case you're wondering, you can come and work in Pendleton and, <laughs> and fly unmanned aerial systems, vehicles. Absolutely. Um, well, that is all that we have time for today. Thank you for coming and seeing us. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. We will probably ask you back again because you know, you're always interesting to talk to. Cool. Yeah. I'll come back as many times as it takes. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs>